Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, everyone. There's nothing there on the screen. First uh, John 2, I'm going to be at verse 20, um, but uh, we're going to be going through it. I don't know how far we'll get, probably not too far. <laughs> There's so much to say. There's so much to learn. But... It's so rich and good. You know, in Second Timothy 2.15, I believe it is, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I believe that's the King James rendering of it. That's how I memorized it. But that's probably the most important thing that I can say today, if you take that serious. Paul's instruction to the evangelist Timothy, in my estimation, should really never leave our ears or our minds. It's the way of life in Christ, not just for the evangelist, but for the Christian people everywhere. Because we all get a chance to rightly divide the word of truth. And you know, that has a connotation of of doing something that clears the way so someone can see clearly from where they're at to where they should be. That's the idea of the original language there, rightly dividing, opening it up. I'm sure that we've all done those things in other, for other reasons besides this, making it easy for someone to see what they should do, give them an opportunity to do that, which will be good for them. And certainly, uh, the idea of studying God's Word is is wonderful when we find it becomes part of the approval that we need of God. Now, what I've been saying the last number of weeks and what Brother David has been saying for much longer on this subject is that what the apostles delivered in these epistles that we see up on our screen um And they wrote those letters to churches uh, sometimes, but also just to, in a general way. 
to others who would ever read this. These letters, these epistles went and they were in churches and they were read by various people. They passed them around. But the understanding was from the apostles these words came forth with the same weight as them speaking and preaching the gospel in their in their very presence. The Apostle Paul says uh, what he speaks to them personally and what he writes to them carries the same weight. And what is that weight? Well, the weight is the very will and intent of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the weight. And that's why we listen, that's why we study, and that's why we hold it in the light that we do. Now, just want to say a few words about that. Um, if you'd allow me just a moment here before we get to our text. Considering this apostolic doctrine, in other words, the teaching of the apostles for the church, not just the preaching of the gospel, but all they said in every, in every way about everything that they spoke about. The idea here is that we either accept this apostolic doctrine as the very character and foundation of the Lord's church unto men everywhere, or we don't. We either accept it or we don't. So we're kind of put on the spot, aren't we? And here's the thing, and I know a lot of people think they can do this, but I don't find anywhere in the Scripture we have the ability to pick and choose those things that fit better with our sensitivities that we would call good and somehow reject or just not really bother with those things that either we say we don't understand or we think goes contrary to whatever social custom that we happen to be living in. Because you're either in or you're out of Christ. If you're in Christ, you are doing those things that please Christ. So you have not Christ or his promises if you are in any way resisting apostolic doctrine that we find in the the scriptures, the New Testament in particular. Now, remember those things in the studies that we've had here in 1 John. Just think back on what he has been teaching in his letter. He reiterates, I guess you could say, because he said it many times before, but he reiterates reiterates the idea of fellowship. Because you see, people all, if, you're, if you say you're a Christian, you want to have fellowship with, with God, with the Son of God. But the apostle makes it clear. These men were the Lord's apostles. They were Jewish men that believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, the Christ, and their Lord They believed all that Jesus said and everything that he did, they related. And that fellowship that the world wants to have in Christianity needs to be based on being obedient to 
the apostolic doctrine. That's just got to be. And then he teaches us about the blood of Christ, about the fact that we contact the blood of Christ in a figurative way. When we are are brought into the family of God by adoption, we obey the gospel. We are covered with the blood of Christ, if you will, in a spiritual way. Every time we come around the Lord's table, we once again not only accept the idea of the blood of Christ, but we are renewed by it, again, in a a spiritual way. He teaches us about what real love is, what hate is. Last week we talked about the Antichrist. The apostle told us that the Antichrist was present while he was writing this epistle. Not only that, but there were more. There were many Antichrists. And he went on to explain that it's the, the concept of the working of those things that were anti-Christ that is the Antichrist. And the Apostle is very, very clear on these things. Now, there's a myriad of Christian folks that are waiting for someone called the Antichrist to come in the future, of course, because who would want to live during that terrible time, right? But friends, we're immersed in the spirit of Antichrist in the world we live in. Look around. Pick up a book. It's there. Here's the thing. What John has taught us in this epistle, we must, must be in agreement with as Christians. And that's about as emphatic as I can be at any time. Because I'm not given any gray area, no wiggle room. I don't believe that we can do anything except be in total agreement. As David said about the table, we are in agreement. Not only with this memorial, but with what it represents and the person that it represents. I've always wondered, because... Everybody loves John 3.16. But you know, it's not enough for us to shake our head up and down in agreement with the words of John uh, 3.16. I believe it goes, For God has so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that everyone who is believing in him will not perish, but may have life and that life enduring. But even in that verse, God has qualified the great gift of his son by one word, believing. Believing. And if you think that's just a passing thing that you do, believe is a huge word. I found that out when I studied Colossians, the first chapter, I think it's verse 13. To say you believe in Jesus, the Messiah, means a lot more than you just read a story about him. 
It, means, it, 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 it implies by its word, by the word itself, is that you accept him in all points. That you are diligent about that. If we hold this as God's own truth, then we will faithfully conform, and I'm using a Bible word there, conform to the apostolic pattern of salvation through Christ and continue steadfast in the teachings of the Lord's apostles in every point. Every point. There is nothing old-fashioned about apostolic doctrine. It applies to people that are living. And that's a whole lot of people. And why is this pleasing to God? Because he says so over and over and over again. And it's certainly good for us. Men have filled libraries with their way of pleasing God, their way to God, even their God of different names or different ways. There's libraries full of it. None of it holds any any sway, really compared to what we have before us and what we can hold in our hand, which is, an, is a miracle in itself that we can have God's Word in our hands. Um, if you think about that a while, you'll realize that uh, there's been a lot of writings of men that they tried and tried and tried for centuries to maintain and keep and, and not lose, and they lost them and they're lost forever. They only know about them. And yet the Bible, that people have tried, even a country in Europe tried to outlaw the Bible and do away with it. They had a ministry of getting rid of it, and that very building that they, that building that they had that ministry in became a publishing house for Bibles later on. By the way, that was France. Might as well give them the bad bad rap. They're trying, okay. So, as we go to... Now, those comments I just thought were necessary uh, in light of all that we do and say here. And so you know where I'm coming from and where the apostle's coming from. Because I'm... I'm following very, very good advice and very good teaching. In the 20th verse, I'm going to just read 20 through 28, and then we'll talk about those verses. And I'm reading from the American Standard Version, um, which is a pretty good one. Verse 20 says, And you... Have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. Even he that denieth the Father 
and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that confesseth the Son hath the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, you also shall abide in the Son and in the Father. Verse 25. And this is the promise which he promised us, even life eternal. These things I have written unto you concerning them that would lead you astray. And as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abideth in you, and you need not that anyone teach you, but as his anointing teacheth you concerning all things, and is true, and is no lie, and even as I taught you, excuse me, and even as it taught you, you abide in him. Verse 28, in the last verse I'll read. And now, my little children, abide in him, that if he shall be manifested, we may have boldness, and not be ashamed, before him in his coming is the way that should read in his presence actually where's the Greek on that Um, in parousia which is presence in his presence not at but in And it's the, uh, it, it is, yeah, there it is. The parousia, that word there, of course, for that is translated coming in nearly, well, probably every Bible I've seen, where it says coming is, you'll notice it's a noun, not a verb. So there is a word for coming in the Greek, but it's not here. You see, the word coming there is a commentary that someone put in there. But even in the American Standard, they have a notation, and they say in the Greek, the word is present. So why not put it in where it belongs? Uh, I ask a rhetorical question there, I guess. Nonetheless, um, the presence spoke of here is an event. That's what you need to know. Verse 20, this anointing, I spoke about it last week. And uh, I believe that anointing is not what many folks believe as some sort of a cosmic uh, zapping of something. But the anointing, the covering... Uh, the word means uh, uh, a smearing or it goes back to the idea of anointing with oil uh, that we find in the Old Testament 
used as a, and even in the New Testament, I might add, people still anoint with oil for medicinal purposes. Okay, but the idea is, what is what are you anointed with? Well, I would have to say that my faith has been uh, is is possible and practical through the Word of God. God's Word is truth. Jesus said that, and I believe it. That's our covering. That's our anointing. Um. To me, it means being in Christ. Obeying the gospel, being in Christ is the anointed the anointed experience. Christ and his Father are the holy ones spoken of here. By the way, uh, many commenters will say the Holy Spirit there, the, the word is not there. The holy one. The holy. Where does this anointing come from? Where does the word of God come from? Is not the word of God sublime? Did it not come from heaven? Through men, written down and recorded and preserved up right up until this moment? It is. So this, the, the Holy One, we need to understand. And if we go to verse 24 here, I don't think I'll make it this morning, but Verse 24 makes it clear who it is that we're in. Remember what I read? As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Isn't that the word of God? The gospel and the apostolic teaching? If that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, you also shall abide in the Son and in the Father. All right. You see it on the board. The Son and the Father. And the definite article has a, is very clear there. A lot more could be said about that that verse 20, I suppose. Um, We'll deal with uh, knowing all things, I think, in the next verse. But in verse 21, just to look at it again, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. The truth is important. The truth is God's word. To know all things, that is all things worth knowing, simply is that you have heard God's own truth through his word, through the preaching of his word, and you conform to that truth and that pattern given there for men and women to become the adopted sons and daughters of God. And then you live it you walk it, you stay in it, the light of it, and you can say you know all things. 
at least those things worth knowing. I don't know a lot of things of the world. Uh, I don't know how to, well, I, I don't know how to cook something that tastes good to start with, but or or, or many other things that I don't know. But the things that I know are are eternally important and desperately important to me. I want to know the light. The light that we keep talk, hearing about in First John is the is the truth. God's light is truth. Jesus came to Earth and and turned the light on. Everyone that listened to him and heard what he was saying saw the very light of God. Not only that, he patterned the love of God. He patterned the the respectability of God, the honor of God. Everything about Jesus of Nazareth shows us who God truly is in character. I love that. Why else would we be remembering 2,000 years later around this table of, of remembrance? Taking the elements that represent his body and his blood. Verse 22. I'm probably going to have to cease after this. But we need to know who is the liar. And it's talking about a liar. Who is the liar, it says. But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the work of the Antichrist. Even he that denies the Father and the Son. See, this is something that many religions don't want to talk about. Because if you deny one, you deny the other. A lot of folks want to have it just one way or the other. But I don't believe the apostle is going to open that door here. And if we go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it is not yet made manifest what we shall be like. We shall be. We know that if he shall be manifest, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And that's not the verse I want. 3, 2. Um, maybe it's 4, 2. Four two. <laughs> hereby know that, hereby know you, the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. So, the issue of who is the liar? Well, believe me, there's a huge debate on what that is saying there. Shortly after the apostles had had left this earth, died, 
and uh, and were taken to heaven. Shortly after that, there was a doctrine that came out, of course, that uh, Jesus was really an apparition. He was spirit, uh, and and the whole concept of uh, Jesus being uh, both God and man came about and and became. Uh, 20 doctrines all in its own. But but do you think that, that that's clear enough for you? Jesus of Nazareth was a man, born of Mary. His spirit, what you can't see, but you certainly heard, was the Son of God. He was 100% man in the flesh. And if he hadn't been in the flesh, how could he be our Savior, because wasn't the idea is that the sacrifice for sin has to be worthy of the task? Jesus, as a man, never sinned. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. Over and over. The apostles tell me so. They preached it. A man without sin. Is that something special? Oh, yes, it is. Because of that, he could die on the cross. By the way, you can't kill God on the cross. You can't, you can't tempt him. You can't. And Jesus was tempted in all ways, but yet without sin, the apostle Peter said. We have to put aside everything that we've heard concerning this concept of Jesus being 100% man and 100% God. That's just not right. And if you use that math anywhere, including your checkbook, you'll be in desperate trouble, both here in this world and anywhere else. All right. I think that's about as emphatic as it needs to get. Um, so there, there's a lot of issue here. Denying Christ. How can you deny Christ? Well, I'll tell you how you can deny Christ. There's a long list. And we can start with not listening to what he said and not listening to what his apostles said. Carrying the same weight. They weren't 12 or 13 different men going out making 12 or 13 different groups. That's not what happened, regardless of any book you might read. Read the Bible. Look at real history. You'll find their message is the same. They confirm it amongst each other. They had the mind of Christ. They were given on Pentecost to speak on his behalf. He said to them, you are my witnesses. That means they would speak in his behalf even to the point of death and beyond. I'll pause there today. That's enough to chew on, I think. And I appreciate your your attention. And certainly, uh, hopefully these things will... Um, <clears throat> be a, a, a part of your life, the Apostles' Doctrine in every point. All right. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.